0: it's time again for three point podcast three sports guys three generations and three hot takes the triple thread includes baby boomer Ted Patel of z 925 the castle our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte North Carolina the millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit comments and questions can be sent by email to three point at gmail.com follow three point podcast on social media at three point pod the fellows will get enrolling right after this from our partners.
1: Nelson House Funeral Homes' number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesonine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234.
0: Three Point Podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona.
1: Hello, everybody. It's time for episode 212 of the Three Point Podcast. Our partners include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Memorial Healthcare, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and the Wash of Owasso. Well, the Tiger season has started with an exciting come from behind opening day win. A couple losses after that. And in fact, while we are recording right now, they're taking on the Red Sox. 1-1 is the score at the moment. But we'll talk some Tiger baseball with Roger Castillo of At Tigers Radio Pod and Tigers Minor League Report in just a bit. We'll get the show going though, right after this.
2: Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. So, uh, like you just teased a little bit, Ted, uh, opening day. I mean, I have never experienced one before. Uh, Honestly, I didn't even realize how big of a deal it it really is in in downtown Detroit and here at Valley. I mean, it's all hands on deck at work, for one. (laughs) And then, two. I mean, I was just walking around downtown. I I didn't actually go to the actual opening day game, but I went to the Pistons game that night. Uh, And I I went down to to downtown Detroit around like 4 o'clock or so, and people are still going hard. And it was freezing out. Like, I, I couldn't believe that they were out there, you know, down in these beers, playing in uh, Cornhole, Beersby. Uh, I saw one guy had a catapult-like contraption that yeah. would launch a beer, and you had to, like, catch it. I mean, it was such an awesome experience. And, man, Ted, I, I, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go in 10 years when these <laughs> tickets we bought four years ago finally are of use. So hey, so I'm, I'm ready for I'm- that day. I'm
1: right with you, man. I'm right with you. My hands are tied. I did actually almost go down. I thought about if the weather would have been a little bit more cooperative, I was going to just grab the wife and go on down there. But, you know, to lay it out, like you you said, I mean, it's not any joke at all. I mean, there's very few major league towns that anticipates and has an opening day like the Tigers. I mean, they're old school, they do it upright, and it is a major party. And many people that I know, they always take a sick day or take a vacation day and go to opening day, whether they go to the game or not. They go down there to uh, tailgate and yeah. party and just have a blast. So yeah, it, hopefully we'll be able to go in the next couple of years, I'm hoping as yeah, a group. It,
3: it's such a great area too. I know we've talked about that area, how people who've never been there, they don't really get it, you know, now that the the three arenas are basically right there in the same neighborhood. It yeah. is a great spot to like go. As long as, as we point out all the time, as Ted has, you know, as long as the restaurants and bars are actually open, Mm -hmm. so, you know, you can go tailgate, you know, if you need to go warm up, go grab a Coney, go get some pizza, you know, whatever you want to do, walk around, maybe go to Greek town, go play some bets or whatever. It really is a great spot for opening day for really any game day. The big thing, obviously, like we said, with basically anything, whether it's the NFL draft or, you know, whatever is the weather, at least like it was cold but at least it wasn't like a nasty sleet gross where no one wanted to be outside. I mean, if it's cold, whatever you bundle up, you know, you make the best of it, but really opening day, it is, it does always make me laugh and it's not taking anything away from opening day. It is always funny to see the opening day crowd versus game two. Yes. (laughs) It's like, it's like night and day difference, but I I mean, opening, opening day in Detroit is, is the best. and,
2: And also to say, I mean, obviously the Tigers haven't looked great the last two games versus the White Sox, but. What a perfect way to start off this season that has, like, you know, so much hype behind it. Javier Baez, the new acquisition. What a crazy ending. I mean, when I was watching it live, I thought he caught it. And even on the first replay, I thought he caught it. It wasn't until I think they showed the second or third one that I'm like, no, that uh, hit the wall first, and that's a score. I mean, what a freaking uh, moment. Ted, are you kind of pinching yourself, or are you mad at yourself that you didn't end up going, uh, given the ending?
1: A little bit, but, you know, you saw the pictures. I mean, I have a pretty good setup here to watch it on television. And, you know, I, I geared into the whole pregame on Valley, and they do a great job. You know, you said all hands on deck. You talked about that catapulting beer. I mean, Johnny Kane, you've heard me talk about him before, but what a classic you love move, him, man. catching Dude, you that love him. in the. He caught that can in the air perfectly, didn't he?
3: He <laughs> caught it. Uh, the thing I pointed out, and I, th- I think I tweeted it out, I forget if it was <laughs> from mine or from the three-point pod, but then he didn't drink the beer. I mean, I like, know.
2: I don't think it's. Allowed. I, mean, I don't know if it's. I don't. I'm, I was. I figured it was a work thing, where he probably wasn't allowed. But hey, it was. I mean, that was an, a great clip. I mean, he's. You talk about a guy that's just good at those man on the street type interviews. You'll see him all Tiger season, just walking around the ballpark, going in and out, talking to fans, talking to. Yeah. I saw Hunter Dickinson was at the game today. He's he's terrific at uh, you know just those kind of spur of the moment type things uh the, so no, the funny thing was... to
3: me though about about that that i was gonna say is so okay if if he can't slam the beer i get it you know he's on the clock he's on live tv but like the camera person i don't know if it was you jared i don't think it was but <laughs> no like the girl who ended up they handed it, the beer to someone the, yep. the lady who ended up she slammed it i mean yeah. she slammed that thing and she was like right here in the camera and they didn't reference it at all. I was like, the whole thing is this catapult run out and catch the beer. And then you hand the beer off to this lady who just smashes it. And she should, then she just like disappears. I was like, how do you not like give this lady some props? Like, man, she just, I
2: think she got, I mean, she got a free beer out of it. I think that's enough uh, in my book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was on TV. She got a chug of beer on TV. I, I know what you mean, but no, yeah. that was a great segment. That was awesome. Uh, them going around uh, downtown Detroit on opening day. And, and that party was huge. I mean, I walk all the way down to Ford field and people are going hard all the way at Ford field parking lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was awesome. So like I said, uh, Ted, I, man, I can't wait to actually experience it one of these days. Yeah, well, now you know days. what
1: it's about. And it is a party. I, I actually went to, I've gone to a few opening days, including the very first opening day at Comerica park. And it was, it was like 25 degrees and so cold. And I, I went down there on a, on a media pass with Chris McMillan and, we stayed for three innings, man, and we bailed out after that. It was just there. so cold. But, it is uh, that- funny.
3: I know for a friend of the podcast and you know former coworker, Jared and I, uh, Jason Hutton over mm-hmm. at Fox 17 in Grand Rapids, he tweeted out something like, was this the best opening day since Demetri Young hit three home runs <laughs> on opening day? So I kind of I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So I went back on YouTube to look at it, and I forgot. And we, we tweeted out the video from our uh, at three-point pod if you want to check it out but it was like 75 and sunny on that day. Like, so, you know, it's like that, that's just Michigan. You never know. You're either going to get 75 and sunny or you're getting 25. Like you just said, Ted, and you don't even want to stay for the whole game. Exactly. Uh, That's kind of part of it. And I I do think, I know we're going to get more, more into it with Roger uh, when, when he comes on, but I think there's, there's actually a little more excitement around the Tigers this year. I think that did play a part, you know, last few years, maybe not as much excitement for opening day. Um, so I think that played a part in the crowd showing up and being energetic coming off, you know, a lackluster lion season, a lackluster piston season. The tigers are actually exciting. kind of a lackluster red wing season. So I I do think that played a part, but I kind of, to tie this off, I do want to ask Ted, this is this, we could do a whole podcast on this conversation. Do you think the tigers, as much as people love the lions and really all four, as much as people love. I would probably say the Pistons are number four. But the Red Wings, I mean, they're, they're some diehards. Do you think the Tigers are always, like, number one in Detroit? Or do you think the Lions are up there number one?
1: In in reference to what? As far as fan Just, interest or like, support? Yeah, fan
3: interest, diehard fans for Detroit. Well.
1: Put you on the spot here. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I would say, and obviously we're talking right now and it's baseball season, I am leaning a little bit to the Tigers because when they put a when they put a decent product out there, I mean it is it's tough to get a ticket it's the it's the thing to be at and and let's face it you know when you go to a tigers baseball game it's just, it's just awesome to sit there. You can, and I've talked about this before. You cannot be in a bad mood. You, you know, you just walk <laughs> in the stadium, you're in a great mood. You know, and yeah. it's. I think part of it is the pace of the game. You, you go to wherever your seat is. You know, you tip the usher for wiping down your seat. You say, you say hello to your neighbors there and at the stands. You're commenting during the game. You can have mm-hmm. conversations while the game's going on. You know, you you take turns getting the beers. I mean, it's just, it's just a tremendous atmosphere. I I think there's a lot of diehard Lion fans, obviously, but they've never really been treated to anything (laughs) close to being a Super Bowl team. Maybe 91 was their their only legitimate team that could have possibly made it, but uh, Lion fans might be more diehard. That, I I'll think, put it that way. For sticking by the Lions, for sticking yeah. by, I, yeah. yeah,
2: I think the Lions are the as everybody's favorite team. I mean, they suck, and yet I still think they're talked about more than any of these other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tigers are, I would say, are probably number two. I think the Red Wings have the smallest like fan base of all four teams, but they're the most like passionate and vocal. But I just got to throw this out one more thing on uh, opening day slash Comerica Park. I've come full circle on Comerica Park. I Hmm. I think it's a great park. The skyline behind it, they really did maximize the city of Detroit. I mean, Detroit has maybe six, like, quote unquote, skyscrapers. And I think you can see all six of them from the way they laid out the park. Uh, I think I was just kind of ruined when I was a kid when I think the two games I went to were both like 90 degree mid-July summer days. Uh, and I think both times I sat upper deck third baseline. But now that I've been going back and, you know, walking around the concourse, it's one of the only parks where you can see the field on a whole total 360 uh, walk around. I think it's it's great. <laughs> I would put it top 10 in the MLB, honestly.
3: I think I think a lot of stadiums have started doing more of that. A lot of the newer stadiums do have that where you can walk around the whole the whole concourse and see the field because I don't know if Comerica was the first, but I do remember hearing a lot of people say that that was one of the big pluses of Comerica and the whole, like you can be standing in the sidewalk out there, you know, you don't even have to buy tickets and you can stand outside the fence out there and try and catch the game, but it's the skyline. It's, you know, obviously we're biased, but you know, it's the skyline, it's the environment. It's a nice park. It's actually nice. The, the one drawback is the, I mean, you're sitting baking in the sun. If, if you're going to a day game in August, you're, I mean, you're just going to be baking in the sun. That's maybe the one drawback, but it's a, it's a fantastic park. And once again, I said it a hundred tri- times on here. I tell people all the time, don't read the headlines about bad Detroit and everything. Go to a Tigers game, go, you know, make a little trip, go to the great lakes and then go catch a Tigers game. And you will not be
4: disappointed.
1: Yeah. I, I, I echo exactly what you guys said. I mean, the biggest drawback to Comerica is obviously the lack of shade. If there was something they could do about that for day games, especially June, July, and August, it'd be all set. Uh, the concourse, obviously, that's a winner. I mean, that that beats Tiger Stadium hands down because Tiger Stadium, you know, you, you walked in through tunnels to get into the yeah. stadium. You know, you you had a big advantage, though, that the seats were right on right. top of the field, which was a big plus. But uh, yeah, I'd say Comerica probably top ten. I'd say in my in my uh, experience and what I've seen out there, I've been to games at PNC in Pittsburgh. I put that number one because it has everything. It has the yeah. concourse. It has the skyline of Pittsburgh. the the The, the bridges are painted, yeah. you know, pirate gold. You know, it's just an awesome, awesome field. Camden Yards also. I mean, I, I rank oh, that right God. up there in the top two or three with the the big warehouse in right field. Uh, I, and I think and we some didn't, other ones didn't I haven't he... been to.
2: Oh, we did do a stadium draft, right? We did that last summer, I think. And did I think we? we screwed it up and probably didn't do it right. But I think we did do it. I thought we did a stadium draft at one point.
3: I don't okay. know if it was a draft, but we definitely like ranked our, our top stadiums. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cam, Camden's definitely up there. I, that was one cool thing about living in Connecticut. There's a lot of major league parks right around there. And I was fortunate enough to go to all of them. Fenway, it, if it wasn't Fenway, it would actually be trash. Really but it's but it's Fenway Park so it's incredible. The best thing about Fenway is the area around Fenway. I mean they shut the whole all the streets down on game day and you just walk around the streets in and out of bars and there's yeah. like um you know stores and shops and all that. The New Yankee Stadium I I went to the old and the new. I actually like the old Yankee Stadium better than the new one. The new one is just like too corporate. It mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. feel right. It it feels like you're like you're sitting there with all the people on wall street who don't even know who's on the Yankees roster or something, you know, it just doesn't feel right. Um, Washington <laughs> where, where the nationals where the nationals play super cool. Uh, the Mets actually Citi field. Citi field is great because it's, you, you don't have to deal with the New York traffic. It's actually in flushing. Mm-hmm. So like you, you don't have to get right into New York city and it's right next to where the U S open is played. So there's great tailgating. So yeah, like all, all those stadiums, I haven't been to PNC though. I know I've said it on here. I've been to Pittsburgh a number of times. My wife and I have gone a bunch, but we haven't gone for a Pirates game, and it it kind of like pisses me off.
2: I I I gotta go to a Pirates. Game. I've been to one. I remember yeah. it. but I was like probably three years old, but I've been there. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I look forward to your review, Matt. Whenever you do make it, yeah. you know, you talked about Fenway. That's that's on my bucket list. You know, amazing. Uh, I it might be trash, but it's the I, it's the history. It's the history uh, yeah. of, of who played there. You know. I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's a nice stadium. It's just the way it's set up. Like if you're
3: sitting down first baseline, like say you guys are the field, you're like watching the game like this, just because the seats go like this. They're all on top of each other. You know, back in the day, back in 1908 or whenever, when they built it, people were, you know, five foot two. So every year, like sitting like this, Um, but you got to get the bleacher seats, sit in the outfield and, you know, be be amongst all the people who are just smashing beers.
1: Actually, that's one of the ballparks where I probably would shell out some money and do everything I could to get a seat up on the wall. I mean, that would be cool. They're a premium, but that wouldn't that be awesome to be That'd actually be cool. up on the green monster. That'd be incredible. Well,
2: one thing that I uh, kind of, I just got to throw this out now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so I was like, I was when I was long story, long story. I was just, I was in a car with Craig Monroe for four hours. So we had a lot of time to kill.
0: <laughs> um, and that was like one of the
2: topics we, we came across. Was I was like, Hey, like what's your favorite, like uh ballpark plan. And he's like, ma'am, he's like, they're all awesome. I mean, when you go through the minor leagues and all that, he's like, you go to each one of these stadiums. I mean, they're all freaking sweet. And I just thought that was kind of funny how us as fans, I guess it's because we're actually sitting in the stadiums where the players are just playing in them, but they're like, they could care less. It's just, they're all sweet stadiums. All of them are awesome. So I just thought that was kind of funny.
3: I mean, they're also getting top notch treatment at all, (laughs) you know, catering and, you know, five-star hotels and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that you that know. is interesting that there wasn't one that stuck out that was like, actually, this one is. I
2: think he, he pointed out uh so- Kauffman Stadium for the Royals play, I, if I remember oh, right, I but uh that's a sweet one. I mean, sweet scoreboard with a little crown on top and left field. But, no, the they're waterfalls. all baseball stadiums, in my opinion, are the best of all sports.
1: Yeah. You know, he, he talked about Kauffman Stadium, obviously, and we talked about it last week. Dodger Stadium, you know, built in the 60, early 60s. Same thing in KC. I think it was built in the maybe the later 60s, but it's held up and, They've maintained it well and it's still, you know, like you said, a a real favorite for some of the ball players. I definitely, I definitely would love to do maybe not a full major league Pilgr- pilgrimage, you know, to all the ballparks, but I'd like to some some summer just set up a trip to do the whole Midwest, you know, do the Milwaukee, the two stadiums in Chicago, do Detroit, obviously, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, just a mini trip, maybe Cincinnati in the same thing, and do a week or so just in the car, going stadium to stadium. Wouldn't that know- be fun? You yeah, and,
2: the,
1: go ahead.
3: Yeah, you could do the Midwest easy. You just laid it out. Mm-hmm. You could definitely do New England easy, yep. as long as the schedule worked out. Both New York teams, Baltimore, Washington. Um, you could swing over to Pittsburgh. You could do Philly. You could right. you know, go see the Phillies. So you could that would be easy. That would You could definitely do a loop. It would all be the schedule, you know, if right. the schedule works out. That, that's what you'd have to coordinate.
1: Well, speaking of schedules, I took a look yeah. at my schedule Camden, and decided Camden, after half. Yeah. What's that? Oh, I was going to say, I looked at my my schedule and uh, decided after having uh, uh, Eric Woodyard on last week, I'd go over to that book sign. And I'm glad I did in Flint. I mean, it was really a neat event. Uh, It was set up cool. You know, they had like a little panel discussion. Actually, when we walked in, it opened up at seven and uh, Calvin Torbert was over to the left by, by the front. And there was just a line to get books and have him sign it. And then, uh, I don't know about half the people had their book signed there for that. And then they had a little panel discussion in between. And I, I really think, um, you know, the message that he was putting out there, it, it, it was right on between him and Eric. I, I yeah. mean, Calvin's was look, and we all know the story, you know, there's a lot of, lot of basketball fans. I call them fans, you know, that said, Oh, you know, he just never lived up to his potential. You know, he, you know, he he should have been better. And his message was, Hey, guess what? I went over and played in Europe. I made millions of dollars. How is that a failure? And right. he played in the final four. <laughs> right. M- message completed on his side there. Very good point. And then Eric on the other hand, you know, his his message was and he's told it to us before, you know, He was in high school. He was kind of uncertain what he wanted to do. And he expanded on that saying, you know, he was a basketball player. He transferred from Southwestern to Northwestern, was supposed to play basketball, but there was some kind of mix up and then he didn't know what he was going to do. So he uh, decided to see what he could get out there as far as uh, academic scholarships. And, you know, it just, it just was fate, I guess, that he fell into journalism at Western Michigan and now has made a career of it and now works for ESPN. He's writing books. He's a, he's a true success. And that's the message both of them wanted to give, especially, you know, there was, there was Flint people there, obviously there was a good mixture of people, but the message was, you know, it's not just basketball or rapping, you know, it's all about education and it's all about the hustle and all about your desire. And I I thought it was, it was really cool to be a part of. I took my wife over there we had a great time.
3: That's cool. Yeah. Especially,
2: at a pretty Good. sweet uh, bookstore, it looked like for like Comma Bookstore or something or uh, yeah. something like that, right? Is downtown Flint? I mean, you yep. laid it out. It sounds like a great event. I mean, I can't wait to read the book. I got, I ordered my copy on Amazon. I'm waiting for it to come. So I, I'm interested to see what exactly this message is that you kind of glossed on a second ago.
1: Yeah, and hopefully you're going to be able to give that book away because I did get you both autographed. I okay, I was wondering.
2: Oh yeah.
3: We we talked about that, yeah. Like I I had purchased mine, obviously, Jared. And it was like, oh, if I, I got to get a signed copy, you know, if it got got the chance to have an autographed copy, but no, it's a yeah. The bookstore looked cool, and you know, something like that, a little more of like an intimate setting where yes. you know you can actually talk to Calvin. You could talk to Eric, you know, especially now he's been on the podcast. Kind of cool to meet him in person, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, just seeing you know, it's just hearing people like, you know, in their. The, the wisdom come out you know Ted you you've obviously you know you know how when, how you think when you're 20 years old oh, is yeah. different than how you're you think now that's what you are right so I mean it is cool to hear someone like Kelvin Torbert who was potentially going to be an NBA lottery pick you know go through a ton of ups and downs and kind of look back and have that perspective and it is that point that you talked about is interesting like People will talk about whether it's like a college player who leaves early, mm-hmm. maybe doesn't turn into like an all star in the NBA or something. So everyone calls him a flop and a bust. And it's like, you know, like I think about like Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown was a dude everyone calls like the biggest bust in the world. He played in the NBA for like 15 years. <laughs> really? I don't know how much money he made, but he probably made millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe. So, right. Like, who are we really calling a bust here? You know, like it depends. Not everyone's going to be LeBron. Not everyone's going to be Michael Jordan. So, if- you have a long professional career, whether it's in Europe or here, that's a success. So I'll be very curious to read the book too.
1: Yeah. And I should also send a shout out to Patrick Hayes. He was the MC and uh, did a really good job fielding the questions to the, to the panel and James Thigpen. I didn't, I didn't get the relation, but I, he had to be related to justice Thigpen. He was a standout Flint player back in the day too, back in the late sixties, seventies, but he did the cover art and there was, you know, there was a pretty good story about that. the 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 on the cover they have a in the center they have a picture of the scoreboard. Well, that's from the field house that's on Saginaw. That all these kids when they're young they go play pickup games. There's tournament games there, and uh, there was a there was a thought process behind the cover art. So I thought that was pretty well explained. Too, have you cracked open than the I book just yet? did? Have Say you cracked over the book?
2: Have you cracked? Open I have. The book? I've
1: kind of read some of the liners and stuff, but I haven't started reading it yet. Yep. I'm looking forward to it, just yeah. like you guys are. Though that yeah. was a that was a good experience. I, I'll that's go cool. to more of those. Let's line up more guests that have books out.
3: Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Especially yeah, when you can meet the 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 superstar. You know, absolutely.
1: It's, it's cool. Well, we'll get into uh, a little Tiger baseball next with our special guest Roger Castillo right after this.
5: Looking to buy items online? Go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com search our inventory and place your bid plus there are online auctions for farm machinery firearms automobiles and truckloads of overstocked items it's fast it's easy and you will get results get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today The Wash of Owasso is excited to welcome you to their new and state-of-the-art full-service laundromat, conveniently located at 809 West Main Street in historic West Town Owasso. They're open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for the coin laundry, or you can drop off your laundry for wash and fold service Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 p.m. Too busy to stop in? No problem, as The Wash of Owasso will pick up your laundry right at your door and will deliver it back to you the next day. Go online to TheWashOfOwasso.com, that's The Wash of Owasso to view pricing or call 989-472-3322 and schedule your pickup as a special three point podcast bonus, enter code three P that's the number three and two P's at checkout for 10% off your first order. The three point podcast team welcomes the wash of Owasso to our team.
3: All right, guys, now on the pod. And uh, as we record this, uh, the Tigers are up three, one in, in the bottom of the eighth. Correct. Am I, am I looking yeah, at it- this right?
1: Top of the ninth coming up. Top of the ninth
3: coming up. So hopefully they can close this thing out. But we're bringing on Roger Castillo. You can follow him at Baseball, And he's got a lot going on. So for, I, basically, I'm going to let you lay it out. You just, just got announced. You hopped on board with Woodward Sports. So uh, real quick, thanks again for, for joining us, Roger. But give our listeners a quick rundown of everything you've got going on.
4: Yeah, so uh, yeah, I just did just today signed a contract to be part the beat writer for Woodward Sports and the Woodward Tigers beat. So there's Woodward Tigers on Twitter, which is just essentially an old podcast account. Um, tomorrow we're going to the Tiger Miley Report. I'm a part owner of that, so we're going to be covering the game on West Michigan's home opener against Lansing tomorrow, so i have been involved in that. And uh, for now, that's pretty much about it. So I, I try to keep as busy as possible with baseball season and this time you are my wife is like, "Am I going to lose you every baseball game?" And I'm like, "Yeah, oh, sorry, this is what you inherited." Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you
3: you've got me all winter, but come baseball season, I'm all in on baseball, basically. But, but yeah, you know, we talked a little bit at the start of this pod uh, about opening day, and uh, I know you were there. I saw some videos, saw some tweets, and stuff like that. And uh, we we talked about obviously I'm down here in North Carolina now, so I wasn't wasn't there. Jared's doing work; he works for Valley Sports Detroit. So he, he was around it and everything and, you know, opening day in Detroit. I mean, we, we talked about it. Ted, Ted's been to a bunch. Uh, I don't know if you can beat opening day in Detroit for tigers, you know, any ballpark in the country. I mean, can you talk about what you experienced and maybe your, your thoughts on
4: opening day uh, downtown Detroit for the tigers? First and foremost, Ted, that 1995 tiger hat is, <laughs> I, I bow <laughs> to you. Cause that's the, yeah. honestly, of all the tiger hats I have, I have quite a bit. I have over a hundred. I have all the minor league affiliates. Yeah. And some of the minor league affiliates going back to the '70s, like the Montgomery Rebels and so forth. But Ted, you have a hat that is like my Moby Dick. That's <laughs> the one I'm trying to find. So, <laughs> kudos to you on that. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So, not to get too off track, but no, opening day going. I went around, got some videos, some people, and it's amazing. The everybody talks about a good tailgate. You guys cover high school football, so you even see that in a high school level, and and a, a, at the NFL. With, with the Lions and, and perhaps, I don't know man how many times you go to Panthers games down there, but there's always like a party feel to the NFL. That's the same thing with opening day in Detroit. It is just a, a sea of humanity, but in a good way, people are just have their traditions. I, I got these guys who every year they have a, they have a you know, fish fry one year. And they always have some sort of cooking tradition. And then we had these guys who were um, cooking a breakfast. So they had salt, they had kibasa and the eggs and it was, really really good and it's amazing when you walk around the camera and say hey i i work here and they're like oh you want free food and but know, <laughs> nice. i walked i walked across <laughs> the city and it, like i said it's just it was cold but it was worth it and i cannot recommend anybody who's not in the stadium who has not gone to the tigers opening day should mark it off your list if you're doing a ballpark a list if you want it once per year yeah. did you uh
2: what did you think of the uh, Baez walk-off home run Were you or not home run, but the walk-off hit, were you in the uh, stadium for that? Were you out tailgating? Uh, If you were in the stadium, what was kind of your vantage point? Did you think it was a catch? Did you know it hit the wall when it happened? What what was going through your head when all that went down?
4: So I had to do a segment for Woodward sports. I had to go back to the, uh, there was a local bar nearby. And I was watching Mm -hmm. the game. Everybody, the Baez was getting up the plate and it looked to me, at first, it hit the wall, but I couldn't tell because based off where I was, but then when I see him kind of did that j- the drop, then I was like, oh, on the replay, I could easily see it, but mm-hmm. you could hear the crowd. This this is a bar like just across the street, but you hear the roar of the crowd all the way from where we were at, and so I I think that was one of those cases where even when bias after the game was like, you know, some of these times are going to be tough, and I think he was implying, not everything I'm gonna hit, get out of here. Yeah, and that's the implication that I got when he said those comments. So, I mean, he had no doubter tonight the to left, and if he keeps doing that, aces with me. Oh yeah,
1: yep. What's your feel about this Tiger teams? I mean, everything you see in the additions they've made, especially the late ad with Austin Meadows. I mean, it seems like this is a team uh, that should be optimistic, and if they can put it together, might be able to make a serious playoff run. Do you agree with that?
4: A lot of it has to go with the right, Ted, because one of the things that I know about this team is the weakness is still the bullpen in a sense of at death. I mean, you mm-hmm. saw that today that Andrew Chafin and Peralta are ready to go, and, and they'll be nice additions wherever they decide. To, I know Chafin's going to go out of the bullpen, but Peralta's going to be a good six starter. We saw that last year with his changeup being his primary pitch, pitch, and it really worked really well for him. So my concern, though, is if they have an injury in the outfield, we saw this with Riley, Riley Green, who's not going to be back. may might, might even be back past the six weeks they expect. If they have an injury, they're going to be kind of shorthanded on that because if you go down Toledo and Erie, it's kind of fourth outfield haven. I mean, Daz Cameron has had a, chances to – he's had opportunities to prove himself, and he hasn't been able to yet. And in Toledo last week, we noticed that Cody Clemens has been playing – left field, Zach short's been playing center. So I think they're trying to think of other alternatives for that. So I think that's, what's going to happen here, but they really need to shore up their outfit a little bit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're talking about, I mean, if there's anyone who knows the, the Tigers farm system, it's you. And I think a big thing, finally, we're seeing some of these young arms come up that we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for Casey Mize to maybe be the guy we've been waiting for Manning and Scoobel and some of these other guys to come up and finally be like, yo, you're, you're a big league pitcher. Now there's no bouncing back and forth to the minors. You're a big leaguer. Do you think that's the biggest step you mentioned the bullpen, maybe depth, but do you think some of these young arms coming on and maybe having, I'm not putting them in Verlander's conversation, but maybe having that jump where like you're a legit number one, like that's what it's going to take for the tigers to become a legit contender.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the Chicago's lineup is loaded, and you saw that Mize, Skubal for that matter, dude, I mean, let's start with school for a second. His fastball is still elevated. He wasn't able to get a lot of, I mean, he has good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But he wasn't able to generate the same kind of strikeouts he did last year. And this is one start. So right. Take it was a grain of salt. But I look at Casey Mize, and he is a guy that has to be a higher strikeout pitcher in order for the Tigers to be in contention. And there was a comment today on Woodward first that said Tigers have a collective bunch of three or four starters. Because Rob Rodriguez traditionally has been a guy you see as a second or third starter. Is he enough to lead, the, lead this team? Absolutely. I think he's a veteran that knows how to pitch. He's been in big situations before, which the Tigers desperately need. I love the cough button, by the way. Um <laughs> I I I firmly believe though it's it those Matt Manning's performance today was outstanding. He did a really good job of keeping Boston off balance, but this is a team too that just got it at four o'clock in the morning. So whether it's a little bit of that, but I thought you still saw encouraging stuff for Manning. His innings were efficient and you have to be really happy about that. But I really think it starts with Casey Mize. If he can yeah. get really strike striking out more batters, I think the Tigers will be in business. And they just yeah. won
1: three to one, so a big win for the Tigers here today. Um, what about Torkelson? He's off to a slow start, but he's gonna, I think, uh, help this team. You know, uh, the manager said he's just got to relax, but he's actually seeing the pitches well. It might do him well to go on the road. You know, hit the first road trip because there's a lot of pressure on that young man starting out at home. I definitely agree with you that
4: uh, on that Ted, because th- there's a kind of you kept seeing during the Valley sports him panning to his parents, which I understand what right. they're trying to do, try to capture that big moment and have the parents reaction, which is always a good uh, piece of content. Absolutely. Right. But when the Tigers hit the role against Kansas city this, this weekend, I think that will be a good opportunity for him to just kind of go and relax. You saw that last year when the Tigers went to Houston, that big series was kind of a big turnaround. You saw some of the bats that were struggling, start becoming in the, getting into their own. So I, I think that that's a, that, I think for anybody who's a rookie, he got squeezed by a couple of calls. Well, it's not, I mean, I'm not even yeah. trying to be like favoritism towards the ump, but I noticed something that Chris and I both noticed something. He got mad last year when he got squeezed at West Michigan or Erie or even at Toledo, never. Sh- I mean, you he, go, Oh, okay. What, what was that? But not like I did saw him over the weekend. And that, and that's great to see the draw three walks against a team like the white Sox and you're just in your first year of professional baseball, that's an encouraging sign. And I don't want fans to react. Well, he's, you know, whatever. So what? Big deal. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal to me.
2: Before we get, like, way too far into this season, I think fans' uh, kind of expectations of this teams were maybe a little bit too high coming in, considering how young this rotation is <laughs> and how young, you know, Torkelson, Green, all these guys are. What do you think is a realistic goal that we should set as fans for what this team can accomplish?
4: I said originally 82 between eighty and eighty-two wins, and I think that's fair because they they won seventy-seven ball games last year. But there is a lot of things that are different this time around, comparatively speaking. You have two rookies in your lineup: a, when Riley Green returns, and b, you're still with the fact that Jose Cicinero is gone. He'll be on a sixty-day. Who knows when he's going to come back? Or IL? Yeah. When, who knows who's going to come back? And I think. What you're getting in Austin Meadows and Baez is definitely significant. And those two kept the Tigers in the game today, whether it was uh, Meadows a single and then the Baez's home run, the go-ahead homer. So that to me is is important, but I'm still a part of me, as much as I want to be (laughs) happy-go-lucky, there's a part of me watching the game enough to know there has to be a lot of things for the Tigers to get in that playoff spot. Everybody the Twins got better. The AL East had four 90 game yeah. winners last year. This is not a this league is not a joke. In Seattle, I thought Seattle they had a really good offseason and even if Toronto doesn't have enough pitching, their offense is just ridiculous. So yeah. there has to be a lot of things to go right for the Tigers to make the playoffs.
3: And obviously health is always the big thing. You, you got to hope that all these guys stay healthy. And that's true for every every team, but Talking about the Tigers, maybe not having the best depth. They they need everyone to stay healthy. I mean, we saw what happened. Riley Green goes down. They go out and make a trade to get Austin Meadows. So, which actually, it's a great trade. So that it, it kind of works out. But I've got to ask you before we get out of here. I don't know if the other guys have something else, but I've got to ask you about Miguel Cabrera. He's one of my favorite players ever. Barry Bonds is my favorite player player ever. But Miggy, Miggy is probably right there. And obviously, maybe just because of his career with the Tigers and everything, but. Can you, in your opinion, put his career in 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 context? Because when I talk to some people who maybe haven't watched, you know, as many Tigers games as us, they know Miggy's good. Yeah, he had a good stretch there, you know, for that three four years when he won triple crown, couple MVPs. I I would personally put him as he's one of the best right handed hitters ever. Everyone always talks about Pujols is the best right handed hitter of this generation, and you're not wrong with saying that. But I'm like, Miggy is every bit as good as Pujols was in this generation. So I'm just curious what your you know he's he's about to pass three three thousand hits and you know he's already got the five hundred and everything so, and Miggy, I mean is he one of the best ever to you?
4: Matt, he's the best Tiger I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and I, I mean I I've been around, you know I'm it, the quote unquote Generation X, whatever you want to call it, because every every year the how you identify yourselves changes every year, so I don't know how to keep up with that anymore. But uh yeah, no, I there is. Nobody, I mean, he hit a triple crown. He was the first to do it since Carl Yuschenki in 1969 or 67. Uh, was it 67? Uh, 67. 67. Thank you, Ted. What you got, Ted? Yeah, I know. I knew Ted would have the answer for wisdom <laughs> of this
1: age, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but what he did was a rare thing. And even when it was, when he had, was having lower body issues, he was doing all that with muscle memory. That's impressive. And the fact that I think we, as Tiger fans, don't realize we've seen one of the greatest players For some last player they've seen something like that, that magnitude magnitude was LK line in terms of Mm -hmm. hitting for average, hitting for some power as well. But nobody Miguel Cabrera to me is just a, it was like just a shooting star among all this. And he's the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen for the Tigers. And they're just the way he just muscle memory, um, the way, the way he approaches the game, He's smart, and I think, like, this whole you got to be a rah-rah leader thing is ridiculous. And I think that's why he doesn't get enough credit because he's not right. the kind of guy. Yeah, but Exactly. And the clubhouse people know, and everybody knows, they come to Miguel when they need advice. He has said things to the front office like, I want some more veteran players. He's, he's a smart guy, and he knows the game. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to do this at third base, at first base, and originally now filled with the Marlins, Man, I, just, I, I don't understand how you not see him as one of the greatest Tigers ever.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, you're exactly right. And I, my favorite part about Miguel, he always has a smile on his face. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the best part, in my opinion. Uh, I have one more question for you. Uh, we were talking about this at the very start of the pod. I said Comerica gets a bad rap uh, in terms of a ballpark. I think it's awesome. Uh, great concourse, probably my favorite part about it uh you've probably been to a decent amount of uh, mlb stadiums uh if you've been to tiger stadium one i'd love your thoughts on that stadium if not what's your favorite
4: ballparks kind of uh, around the country is is comerica up there yeah comerica's up there i've been to so i've been to the guaranteed rate field in chicago i've been to out of all stadiums chase field in arizona i've been to progressive progressive field it's still progressive field yeah progressive field yep, yep. um let me start with Tiger Stadium. Tiger Stadium. There's a lot of romanticism with it, and I, I definitely will agree with that. Everybody loves Tiger Stadium. I have certain memories of it because I, when I was a safety in grade school, we got to go for free games. We got to sit in the bleachers. <laughs> I thought awesome. that was really cool. Um, I also remember everything being sticky. You know, it's just kind of <laughs> like it, it was. That's the way it was. But there was a certain smell in there. And then, of course, everybody talks about the troughs in the bathroom, which were just you know a <laughs> product of the time. But I, I liked Tiger Stadium because when it got loud, you felt it. You felt things moving. And I I'm not gonna I'm not one of those people that say, well, everything's old, it, it's it's bad. But no, there was a certain charm to Tiger Stadium, the same the same way that people look at Yankees, the old Yankee Stadium, or Yankee Stadium 2, I believe it is. Yeah. That right field porch kind of deal. But I just love the aesthetic of when you go especially right off the highway right there, you have all those bars in Corktown right there. It felt like a neighborhood ballpark. It had that similar feel to Wrigley, Wrigley field or Fenway park, which both I'm going to be going to sooner or later, but out of all the stadiums that I've been to, I think it's depressing, but I will say that I, I had a really good experience with Cleveland. The reason why it's depressing is because not a lot of people go. Once yeah. the Browns are in town, they're just like, Oh, training camp. let's just go to training. Camp. Uh, yeah, screw the, I remember there's so many times that the, the Cleveland's been in contention. The Guardians have been in ten, contention for division <laughs> titles. And everybody's worried about Tim Crouch. I remember I, like Tim <laughs> Crouch's health. I mean, you guys remember this? I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah.
3: Especially so. when LeBron came to town. It?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, Forge- done. Forget, yeah, forget about it. But I, I would have to say I liked Cleveland quite a bit. And uh, PNC Park is something. Uh, that's one that's also going to be on my list, too. But I've been to... I've been in a lot more minor league stadiums. And I say one of my favorite minor league experiences, by the way, is Midland. Uh, the Great Lakes Loons uh-huh. Stadium is fantastic. I love that field. There's not a bad view in the ballpark whatsoever there. That's
1: awesome. I got a final question for you, Roger, before we let you out of here. And before I ask the question, I'll, I'll, I'm the old guy, obviously. And I was an Al line guy. I mean, if you've seen my profile picture, I'm interviewing him. He's in Tiger uniform, for God's sakes. But uh, best hitter. Best Tiger hitter, bar none, right or left-handed hitters, Miguel Cabrera. That 10-year stretch he had, it was must-see TV. You're walking by the TV, you stop. You have to watch his at-bat. That's how good he is, and obviously first-team Hall of Famer. But I'm going to switch it all the way back around. You cover the minor leagues. Uh, The big story that I just saw, it still boggles my mind as a broadcaster. The Toledo Mudhens play-by-play guy, since 1975, what is it, 6,000 straight games or something? Wow, what a story!
4: Yeah, and he what I've got a chance to on opening day, I went to opening day for Toledo, and his setup is just simply he the way he intertwines his regular life, too. Where I'll just be like, Well, I just moved down this way and take (laughs) my walks, and just makes everything so organic, it doesn't sound forced. Mm -hmm. And I think he does his cadence too as a broadcaster, doesn't go kind of like, um, I'm not a big fan of Hawk Harrelson, everybody no I, no i mean just lower number it's like that whatever dude just <laughs> call the damn game or darn game but i i i just that is impressive i mean toledo has had some lean years ted and you remember oh, yeah. this is the same you talk about some late teams in the 80s that have featured guys like kevin ritz and steve searcy and, and eras that are just over five and you wonder if they were considered quote-unquote prospects and uh, he sat through a lot of bad baseball, and that Net skeleton stadium, by the way, which was also a, a former horse track, I believe it was. Oh, I think wow. you're right. Yeah, and I saw the, some of the old see- pictures, were just like, oh, they played baseball there. <laughs> um, but yeah, the goat. Seriously, I bow to him. It just it. Um, I really like the, the new stadium for the mud Mudhens and the way he colors calls the game. Just like an everyday man kind of thing to me.
3: I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't believe about. that it was six thousand straight. At first, when I saw, uh, I was like, oh, 6,000, you know, yeah, he's been doing it a while. That's cool. Ted, you've been, you're probably up around 6,000 now.
1: Pretty close. But I was like,
3: 6,000 straight? How do you not miss a game at any point? That, that was impressive. It's cool.
1: Yeah, and I had to miss this podcast because of hip surgery, right, here
2: <laughs> Yeah, so you'll never have a record like that.
3: Uh, no, no.
1: Well, Roger, hey, listen, we really <laughs> appreciate the time you've given us. Uh, give us a shout out where our listeners can catch up with you and and read your stuff and, and see you.
4: So you can find us on Woodward Tigers, the podcast. I'm in the process of changing all the artwork this evening. So Woodward Tigers, you can find us at Tiger Minor League Report at Twitter or on YouTube. So subscribe to our, our YouTube channel. We're putting up videos more and more. We're gonna be we're, we're gonna travel. We're going to go to Erie this year. We're gonna follow minor league teams around. You can find me at Rogues Baseball on Twitter. Our Facebook page, Tiger Minor League Report, and uh, yeah, WoodwardSports.com. You can find all my written content as of uh, Wednesday. So there'll be a couple of articles coming out soon and. guys have done a fantastic job, and I'm really, really excited how you guys have come along. And the most consistent show I've ever had a chance to work with when we were at Sports Radio Detroit. You guys, kudos to you guys. You guys do a fantastic
1: job. Awesome. Well, we appreciate the kind words, and we look to catch up with you down the road, man. We're going to be definitely staying in touch.
4: Ted, I can't wait to meet you and figure out a way to, again, bow, bow to the hat.
1: <laughs> he, he, uh, you know what's funny? I know
2: he probably picked that ad out uh, in particular for this. I show. did, absolutely. <laughs> it was, well,
4: well, well played, good Ted. Good. Well played because you got my attention. I'm just like, let's yep. see I'm yep. going.
1: I must Excellent. Let's get it. I must get it. <laughs> All right, we'll see you, Roger. Thanks again. See you guys. No, nope. Thank see you later. Memorial Healthcare has served the community for over a century. The main campus is in Owasso at 826 West King Street. Memorial Healthcare has a 161 bed facility with a medical staff of over 200 and over 1,400 employees. Memorial Healthcare is also a not for profit hospital governed by an independent board of trustees. With 26 satellite offices located throughout Shiawassee County, Memorial Healthcare continues to reach out to their patients in order to provide the very best. In healthcare services, Memorial Healthcare is the sole hospital in Shiawassee County, serving a population of almost 70,000 with an expanded footprint in seven counties. For more details, go online at MemorialHealthcare.org or call 989-720-CARE. That's 989-720-2273. All right, guys, great stuff from Roger there. Looking forward to reading more of his stuff. But uh, before we wrap up this program, let's get into a little Masters talk, a little anticlimactic, but uh, still it's Masters weekend. You had Tiger Woods completing all four rounds, but uh, the winner, pretty good performance. Yeah, this
3: guy mean, it, it, is mean, Jared, you,
1: yeah, you're probably going to get is... into it, Jared
2: go ahead he's uh he's incredible man Uh, you talk about uh, one a guy that you just want to root for i mean you love all the hearing all the stories he's crying you know to his wife basically saying i don't know if i can do this like uh heading heading into the masters uh one thing that a lot of people love about him and i can relate to this this is exactly how i view golfing too you'll never see me losing my mind on a golf course it's uh it's supposed to be fun you're supposed to have fun on a course and you even him he hits a bad shot you don't see him slamming clubs uh you don't see him freaking out, swearing. He's always got a smile on his face. It's almost like Dustin Johnson uh, in a sense. I, I love that about Scotty Scheffler. And, I mean, the most eye-opening stat is the only other player that's ever had four tour wins uh, in a year, Tiger Woods. And it's just what a what a performance he had. I mean, just ran away with it. Uh, that's why it made it so boring. His dominance is what made it boring. No one else was even close. Uh, People will act like Roy McIlroy, you know, was. when you look back on this in 10 years, it'll look like Roy McIlroy was right there with him. He never even had a chance either. I mean, still a great weekend for the Masters. Awesome to see the gallery back full, especially those Tiger Woods moments. I mean, he really stole the show, even though all he did was make the cut, really. Um, It was a great weekend, though, and Scotty Scheffler, I mean, stay tuned. This guy could be the best player in the world uh, for, for a long time.
3: I mean, yeah, he's number one, fastest player to number one, even faster than Tiger, you know, back in his day. And do you, do you remember I mean, you went to the waste management? Did you even like catch a glimpse of him at the waste management? Or... He won
2: the waste management. Um, right, right. So, but honestly, it, that was kind of my first time I'd heard of him. He was playing right. with Brooks. So we I did see him hit, but I wasn't even really even paying attention to him. You know, I was just checking out, seeing what Brooks was doing. So right. no, I did see him. And it's funny that he did. That was kind of his coming out part. He was winning that tournament. Yeah. Um, but no, that's, that was basically the first time I'd heard of him.
3: Yeah. I think probably most people, same thing. And now, now everyone knows who he is and he just, like you said, maybe part of the boring thing is cause he's almost like a boring player. He's not Bryson DeChambeau. He's not Brooks Kepka. Obviously he's not Tiger. He's not Phil. He's not Bubba, Bubba Watson hitting shots out of shy town, you know, <laughs> yeah. into basically onto the green, a foot within the hole. Like he just always does that stuff. Scheffler's is just a steady player. Like you said, I mean, probably the way you should be on the golf course, not getting too high, not getting too low, just play. That's what you're supposed yeah. to do. So I'll be curious to see how long he sticks around because we've seen guys. Jordan Spieth was supposed to be the next tiger. Rory was supposed to be the next tiger. Ricky Fowler had all this hype. Obviously he never came together for Fowler and uh, you know, all these guys, I mean, Spieth has basically disappeared. Rory has been very up and down. So yeah. right. Is Scheffler going to be the guy that, can actually keep it going. No one's ever going to be Tiger again. That's the first and foremost. No one's ever going to be Tiger again. But like, can he, like you said, Jared, hang on to number one uh, for a while. But as far as Tiger real quick, I mean, I think he like, it was, it's so incredible to see the crowds just following him around just to catch a glimpse of this guy playing golf, especially on the weekend when clearly his health had diminished over the weekend. I mean, walking 18 holes, four days in a row is just like grueling on anyone, especially someone in his state. But I think he like the, the way he played on Thursday made everyone just like, he's going to do this. Like, Oh my God, he's going to do this. He didn't play that bad on Friday either. So it was like, he's kind of right there. He might do this. So it was just super cool to see. We were kind of talking a little bit, um, you know, off air. I'm curious to see what he does with his schedule. Yeah. He's not going to play every weekend anymore. You know, obviously the majors, and then there's probably a few other tournaments that are kind of important to him that he might play a little bit here and there. But because a part of it, too, is I forget. I think it was Andy North maybe was saying, like, you know, you get to a point like him where maybe you're only going to play the majors, but you have to play more than that. Right. If you actually want to, like, be in shape, you do have to play some other tournaments. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious to see what Tiger's schedule is going to be going forward. Yeah, it I think it really ideally- was cool.
2: For me, I think it, it should be this this year, probably for the next calendar year, just play the majors, uh, get yourself fully 100% healthy. Then come next, you know, PGA Tour season, give it your best gun, give it your best role. You know, maybe put maybe plays in 10 to 15 tournaments. Uh, it gutsy gutsy seeing him play, but I mean, man, <laughs> I, I wish I could say we hadn't seen this before. But this guy's done it. I mean, he's won a U.S. Open on a broken leg, he's right. played in Masters before where he's banged up. I mean, I think it's kind of getting something on the rug. This guy almost died in a car crash. A year later, he's, you know, shooting one under at Augusta with where the lights are the brightest. I mean, he's just a machine. Um, And what a career just kind of resurgence he's had. I mean, believe me, if I was in his shoes, probably the first time I got injured, all that money he had, everything he had going for him, I would have just been like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I don't need this sport anymore. But you see why he got so good in the first place because it's almost like these injuries have become a new like challenge for him where it's like – how can I still be damn good at golf while overcoming back problems, uh, injuries, um, all the off the off the course issues? I mean, Ted, what do you think of like that? Can you imagine uh, when you when you used to have your bad hip? Now you got the replaced one when you had your bad hip. Can you imagine walking 18 holes or, or would no, you like, no. what was what was that whole process like? There was Did you have any rehab you had to go through
1: when I got the hip replaced? It was pretty simple actually. I mean, I was in, I was in real bad pain for like three years and finally sucked it up and said, Hey, I got to do something about this. And it's absolutely amazing what, what modern medicine can do, you know, to pop in a titanium hip and I'm, I'm better than normal. I mean, I, I have, there's no, no bad feeling in that hip whatsoever. I can move, I can bend. It's, it's, it's incredible. And back to tiger for a second, obviously, I think we might all agree. It's he's the greatest sports story of all time. I think the way he's dominated golf, the way he gets the gallery there. And to see that 71 on Thursday was just, it was just awesome. That was, that was, that was must see golf right there, but you, you could tell, you know, physically he just couldn't, he he couldn't keep up, you know, and that's going to be tough. I don't know if he'll ever be a hundred percent, Jared, you mentioned something about that, but, it's going to be real tough for him at 40 what is he 47 48 something like that uh, and after that injury that he did have in the leg it's going to be awful tough for him to be a force for four straight days would i count him out no but it's going to be tough so
3: as you can see we we got up or i guess it's over over this way over over Ted's shoulder the, the memorial healthcare I, I I put that up there while while you were talking about your hip surgery. I figured, you know, this is a good That's time perfect. to put Memorial yeah. Healthcare up there and give them a little love. You know, you you were talking about them taking care of your hip, right?
1: Look at you. Right on the ball. That's why you're our our uh, expert videographer, social <laughs> media guru. I'm still nice trying to, to figure out what Jared does here, but other than bring his pretty face wow. every week.
5: Hey, I'm
2: going to pay the bills, man. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that that was magic on uh, webcam uh, editing. for, for a fa- That's a fact. So nice. I appreciate it. Um, we were talking about the Masters. I got to throw this out. We moved on from there. Yeah. Um, LeBron James. Matt, I'll be curious to hear that's your thoughts guy. on as a Lakers fan. <laughs> he is my guy. Uh, but I'll be the first to admit it, man. This has been a season from hell for the Lakers, him included. I just saw the fact today. The Lakers lost something like 40 some games and you know how a team's post a losing graphic every time they lose never once did they post a picture of LeBron the graphic. I, I don't I still like LeBron. He's still my favorite player, but you'd be, you'd have to be crazy to not admit that this whole circus act that this whole Lakers season has been is just been annoying as hell. The most recent news today, basically he had like a backhanded comment where he was like, yeah, you know, I don't deal with the, you know, the GM, what moves they make. You know, I like playing with Russell Westbrook, but everything, it's like he's playing both sides of the fence. He's trying to please Russell Westbrook. He's also trying to clearly make his team better. And he knows that that, that's that's not the case with Russell Westbrook. Uh, And the most latest news was Frank Vogel was fired, um, which I think he's a hell of a coach. I think that was total bullshit. We can, we can blame it all on Russell Westbrook, but here's the fact there was a GM, Rob Polinka, who thought that this was going to be a damn good move. LeBron thought this was going to be a damn good move. This entire roster thought this was a, a smart move. And everyone was telling him, no, we all remember the tweets uh, in preseason when LeBron was saying, you know, keep that same energy, which he deleted a few hours later, but we still yeah. remember. I, I just, I just – I'm in a weird spot where it's like he's still my favorite player. I still love him, but, man, it's like every day a new story comes out that makes me more and more a little bit irritated with this guy.
5: I, I just –
2: now he's trying to steal Juwan. I, everything about <laughs> right. Lebron has annoyed the absolute hell out of me. What do you guys yeah. think?
3: Yeah, uh, it's Lebron is so tough to me because obviously when he came into the NBA, um, you know Kobe's my guy. We've talked about that a lot. So it was definitely the Kobe versus Lebron. So I was all in on Lebron hate, and then he torched the Pistons on top of that. So it was even more Lebron hate. So I, I just didn't like him, and and for the longest time he he just. I didn't like the way he played. I didn't like, you know, he wasn't winning titles there for a while. Then obviously he did start winning titles. So, you know, whatever. I've come around on him. You know, obviously he came to the Lakers. And so I like that he won a title with the Lakers. But I've come around in the sense of like appreciating his greatness. This dude is 37. He's 30 days older than me. And he's still out there. Like if he really wanted to, he. I mean, I don't know if he could on a nightly basis. But he could dominate the league like he – did when he was you know 30 playing with the heat or whatever like the the level that he's still playing at is insane and i don't think it's enough credit but kind of everything you're laying out it's kind of you almost wonder like he got that one ring with the lakers and you almost wonder if he just now he's just coasting now he wanted to play with russell westbrook so all right cool let's bring him in and the whole russell westbrook thing no he doesn't get all the blame because he actually had like a okay season when you look at his stats and stuff but He's just that guy that like, doesn't fit with anyone. He's going to be a hall of famer because he's got a couple MVPs. He averaged triple double for two or three seasons in a row. He's going to be a hall of famer. He just doesn't fit on any, like he he doesn't fit anywhere. Like and when you hear the reports that they could have got DeMar DeRozan instead, they went and got Westbrook. It's like, how do you DeRozan would have fit perfectly on this team. And then obviously the big thing is Anthony Davis. The dude can't stay healthy. His nickname should be Data Davis because he just every day he <laughs> nice. you just don't know if he's gonna be healthy. Yeah. So it, it is a mess. So anyway, all that being said, you know, LeBron, I'm not sure of his place. I I I think he has a legitimate argument to be the greatest ever, depending on how he finishes these next, you know, couple of years. Um, but all this all this kind of stuff that's going on that I, I can see how people can say, and uh you can't you can't surpass MJ you know, with stuff like this. I don't think, I don't think Juwan's going to LA though. I, I mean, we could talk more about that. I don't think this is the team that takes Juwan away from Michigan kind of because of all this.
1: Could be, but you know, yeah. it, it's gotta be a little worrisome. I know Jared, you're a little more worried than Matt and I, but you know, the fit is there. I forgot all about the whole Rob Polenka thing and played with Juwan. If certain promises are made that they're going to shake up the roster and, you know, still keep the core Davis and LeBron, uh, they could turn it around pretty damn quick. And the whole appeal of going to LA and make the money that they're going to throw at him, if indeed they are interested in, him, which I would think they are with everything we're hearing, could be tough for Juwan to turn down. I hope, I hope you're right that he doesn't, but uh, that would make sense to me Uh that they would go after him. Now back to uh LeBron. I think you guys know how I feel. I mean, I think he's an all-timer for sure talent wise i've just never warmed up to his personality I've just something about it's always bugged me and it always will i mean you can't knock the guy for his talent and what he's done and what he's still able to do with this he could average 30 points if he wanted to he, he, i mean he it's, is. It's, is he up to <laughs> 30 right.
2: is he yeah I, uh, yeah he's, i think he finished third in the uh total scoring this year at
1: 37 Right. Now, what yeah. do you guys think, though, just realistically? Has been the whole problem, the fact that AD hasn't stayed healthy and Westbrook was just was not a good fit? Was that it from the get-go, I, um, you think, and it just was all downhill from there?
2: I think it's just – I mean, Rob Blinka, how many regimes through of this Lakers organization is this guy going to live through? I, I, I'm sick of this right. guy. One, he's going after Juwan now. I don't need the whole correlation of them being teammates. In regards to the Juwan Howard news, I – I, I got a really bad feeling about it. I, I think he – I think the clock has started. He is leaving for the NBA sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And if, if this isn't the time he leaves, I think it's coming soon. Maybe the only thing we have hope for is that he wants to coach his sons. But, man, best friends with LeBron. He's an NBA guy through and through. Um, L.A., Rob of the team at me. Man, you talk about just a magical setup it would be for him there. But, uh, no – Here's where I look at. I think it all falls on Polinka's shoulders, number one. And and the biggest thing, and I know it's boring to say this, but Anthony Davis is a top-ten player when he's healthy. He's been hurt. And this team, LeBron can't hoist a team on his shoulders anymore. And mm-hmm. believe me, Russell Westbrook can't either. And and they decided to basically clean house with all these great role players they had last year and in replace for Russell Westbrook. And I don't know if that's what LeBron wanted. I don't know if Rob Polinka, this was his brainchild. But flat out, if it was his idea, he should be canned for it. Not Frank. Vogel. I think it was Frank was a hell of a right. coach and, and he's going to be a coach somewhere else now. And he's he he has to get fired and you hear Russell Westbrook saying, "Oh, the guy never liked me" or something. Dude, just shut up. This team was never <laughs> right. put together right. Russell Westbrook's part of the problem. LeBron maybe not being the best leader. It kind of seems like he's, you know, leaking stuff to the press, saying all this stuff about Sam Pressy being a great GM. It's just a great horrible culture there, and honestly, I think the GM is the biggest problem.
3: Yeah, it, the GM might be LeBron, though. That's the thing. I mean, yes. he, he might have been the one. You're right. I, to... I don't know.
2: If, if it was Polinka, I think he deserves to be canned. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, the roster from the start, like there was obviously the potential when you look at the names, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, and then obviously LeBron. They, they started the season with Rondo, DeAndre Jordan. So when you looked at, at on paper, it was like, hmm, there might be something here. I think most people knew like this, this wasn't going to work. You just kind of like what you said, Jared, they traded guys like uh, KCP Caruso and some other like young, good role players for dudes that are well past their prime. So, you know, it, and it just didn't work. And, you know, sometimes I saw some people saying it, you know, like sometimes it just doesn't work, you know, maybe that's just what happened health obviously. And it just never all came together. So it's a mess. And that, like I said, I I think that's all kind of part of why Juwan might look at this and be like, I don't know. Do I want to go do this with LeBron, who's clearly a couple years away from probably retiring mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. So once you go to post LeBron, it's like, what, what are the Lakers going to have? They don't have anything. So, you know, does Juwan want to go deal with that? You know, who knows? But, you know, we'll see. I do think uh, the Pistons, however, uh, we, we can talk about them for a minute before we close. Mm hmm. They are actually like on the other side, obviously one of the worst teams in the league this year. So you can't say much else about that. They're going to have a lottery pick again, but if they can kind of like the lions, if they can knock this draft out of the park, the Pistons, I think are going to be right there next year to at least contend for the playoffs. They're, they're not gonna be better than the bucks. They're not gonna be better than the heat or, you know, some of these other teams. But they're gonna be there because Cade Cunningham looks like he's legit. So if you can get a you know, Sadiq Bay is good. And you know, I don't know who if they're gonna be able to keep Grant and you know some of these other guys, but if you can get a Jabari Smith or um I, I want him to get Bancaro from Duke. If you can get one of those guys and they they turn out to be good next to Cade Cunningham, you're ready to go. Dwayne Casey's a good coach, you you're off and running. Because Cade Cade Cunningham looks legit.
2: And and here's the thing that's kind of I just thought was it was, like, the best, like, 23-win season I've seen. I mean, there <laughs> yeah. was, it was, like, a lot of – it was kind of like the Tigers last year where it was, you know, maybe they didn't win all their games, but there was a lot of, like – you saw a lot of positive things. And the number one thing is Kate Cunningham. I mean, he's the real deal. He's – I wouldn't shock me if he's making a push for, you know, an all-star game or something within – either this year or the year after that. He's, he's a star. And you don't have to ask me for that opinion. I mean, Kevin Durant said it himself. So – uh, just look around the league at these superstars that really love this guy. I think he's good enough to be a lead man, you know, give him five years, build a team around him. I just like the I like the culture that this team is building. I mean, I love Stewart. I don't know if Stewart is, you know, a starting center on an NBA finals team, but I want him on my team. I love everything. I love his passion. I love his energy. Same thing with Sadiq Bey, just a great, you know, guy. He's, he's not all about the limelight. I mean, when he scored 50, I don't even think he checked Twitter that night uh so it's just it's just I love the cast of characters they're putting together if Killian Hayes uh can show us a, I mean he's still young I think he's only like 20 years old just turned 20 still very young showed some flashes near the end of the year when they kind of gave him the keys uh when some other guys were resting I think this team has a lot to look forward to now it's just draft lottery night let's see where we land if we if we get the number one pick I mean look out man
1: yeah I, I agree with your comparison on the Tigers and the Pistons too I think you know any intelligent basketball fan I know the media is on top of it this piston team is definitely on the rise and another solid draft <clears throat> they're definitely going to be a playoff team next year uh, I would think they'll make at least the play-in game but I, I think they're, they'll be pretty close to 500 maybe a little bit better uh, with the right draft and they, they've got the good culture going uh, it'll be kind of cool to see the uh, Little Caesar Arena packed and rocking right with a good product, man. I, it's, it's a good time to be a Pistons and, a, and a, 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 a Tiger fan. And even the Lions, there's some optimism. Hard knocks coming up. I mean, you know, the Red Wings have some decisions to yeah, make. Red Wings, but...
2: And I'll even say this about the Red Wings. They have two, I mean, they're probably going to have the rookie of the year. I mean, they have a stud defenseman and a stud uh, forward and uh Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. So, I mean, they're they're on the rise as well.
1: Yeah. So, hey, good things here in Michigan and Detroit. I love it. We've been we've been longing for it.
3: We, Jared, we've talked about Jared hasn't seen a championship. The 0-4 Pistons, you don't
1: even remember. So I mean, right, we've, we've been longing for it. Well, he picked a good time to go work for Valley Sports, didn't he? Right,
2: <laughs> I, I, that is kind of a, a funny thing I'll say to some of the people that are, that like. Let's say they've worked there for like five years. Like, man, they were they were there through the dog days. The like right. the twenty sixteen to twenty twenty. I mean, there was nothing. <laughs> there was literally nothing to root for. So, Stafford, I'm Ma- lucky.
1: Matthew Stafford was about it. That's about <laughs> it. All right, fellas, I think we uh, we made it through another podcast. A lot of good stuff again, and uh, look forward to our next episode. But to all our followers out there, definitely uh, check us out at Three Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Memorial Healthcare, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, The Wash of Owasso the ALS Association of Michigan, and Z92.5 The Castle. And thanks again to Roger Castillo for hopping on. Check him out at Tigers Radio Pod and Tigers Minor League Report. That's at Tigers ML Report and now part of Woodard Sports, too. So a lot of good things going on there with Roger. So until next time, so long, everybody, and bye for now.